Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. And thank you so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast. Uh, wherever you're listening, rather you're listening on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or you're listening on an audio podcast, really do appreciate it. On this edition, we're going to be talking about Drew Brees and uh, will Drew Brees play uh, this week versus the Philadelphia Eagles. And we're also going to be talking a little bit about the Philadelphia Eagles and them deciding to allow rookie Jalen Hurts out of Alabama via also Oklahoma. Uh, he's going to get his first start. So we're going to be talking about that also. But I want to say thank you all for checking out the State of the Saints podcast. Thank you for those that are following in the chat right now. Thank you so much for your time. Won't be a long uh, show today. Uh, just wanted to give uh, give you all the show and talk a little bit about Drew Brees. Uh, as we all know that Drew Brees, uh, he is off injury reserve uh, this year. Uh, IR or injury reserve is, um, you know, a little bit different. You know, normally when you put a play on injury reserve, that means they're going to be done for the remainder of the season. But uh, this season, due to COVID-19, you can actually uh, put guys on IR uh, for a total of, you know, if they're going to be out for about three weeks. So Drew Brees has been out for three games. And as we know that Taysom Hill has been the starter of the New Orleans Saints and he's done a, a pretty you know okay job you know for a guy who hasn't played quarterback that much I mean he came in and he has three and oh where he's a three and oh as a starter so that's the best that you can ask for but now you know we look at some of the interviews that Drew Brees have conducted with you know uh different sports stations and he says that he's getting kind of antsy and he and he wants to play um so you know his, his three weeks are up and now you're faced with a game versus the Philadelphia Eagles, a team that is uh, struggling right now, a team that is trying to find their identity and really trying to see uh, what they have and are they going to take what they have into the future and who is going to be left behind. Uh, me personally, uh, if, if it was me, you know, I would not uh, want Drew Brees to play. Um, I understand the competitor that Drew Brees is, but I also understand what Drew Brees means to the team. Look, man, we talk about Taysom Hill. We can talk about Jameis Winston. We can talk about those guys who we blew in the face. Both of those guys have really good qualities. Uh, Jameis Winston has a really good arm. If he limits the mistake, he can be a really good quarterback. And Taysom Hill seems like he's just slowly trying to figure it out. He's developing chemistry with other receivers. Uh, it seems like he's starting to trust himself in a pocket. And he's making some good decisions, you know, minus the fact that he's fumbling. But overall, they, they both bring something to the table. But none of them. And I mean, absolutely none of them can bring to the table what Drew Brees can bring. Drew Brees is not only a leader, uh, but he's also a, a glorified offensive coordinator on the field. OK, nobody on that quarterback roster is going to see the field like Drew Brees sees it. Drew Brees knows how to manipulate uh, defenses with his eyes. He knows how to dissect defenses and he can pick those guys apart. And also Drew Brees puts it in the hands of his playmakers in order for them him him to excel rather it's michael thomas rather it's alvin kamara rather it's uh jared cook rather it's traquan smith emmanuel sanders uh these guys eat when drew Brees is in the lineup now the only thing that you can possibly say that drew Brees uh doesn't do that uh, Taysom does as we know is he'll put the ball down and he'll he'll scramble okay uh, we know about that big game that Taysom had in a game versus the falcons and we know that Taysom under the rest will go and try to scramble outside of the pocket and I understand that this is the new age NFL, and I've talked about this on several occasions, and I am a fan of quarterbacks that can scramble out of the pocket. I stand by that statement. 
you know, that I made earlier in the season when I talked about, you know, the new age NFL, you know, the statue quarterbacks are becoming passe. And you do need a quarterback that can scramble outside the pocket and move around and deliver the ball. You know, he ain't got to run around like he Michael Vick or Lamar Jackson. But just for him to improvise a little bit or him to, uh, you know, scramble for some yards. But um, at the same time, uh, you really don't need that. You know, if you have an efficient offense and you got guys that are playmakers like the Saints do. So that's the only thing I can say that Taysom have that Drew does not. But I don't feel like that's going to stop Drew from being efficient. I don't think that's going to stop Drew from being uh, a guy that can lead this team uh, to another Super Bowl appearance and a possible Super Bowl title. So uh, as for me, you know, I would not want Drew Brees to play in this game, uh, no matter how good he's feeling. I think you have to take into account he probably feels this way because he's not getting hit. Okay, he he has he doesn't have to worry about a defensive lineman or a linebacker or a safety or a cornerback. Uh, trying to zero in on him, trying to give him some uh, Greg Williams type remember me shots. Okay, so it's easy for you to like feel good because you're standing on the sidelines as a pedestrian. You don't have to worry about putting your body in harm's way. That's one thing. Uh, But it's another thing when you're behind center and guys are trying to take your head off. Drew Brees, uh, we need him down the stretch. And, um, you know, I hate that it happened this way, but it almost coming as a form as a blessing in disguise uh, because not only um, do you uh, have an opportunity to develop Taysom as your uh, as a quarterback, but you also give Drew Brees a little bit of rest from his, you know the fact that uh, he he is hurt. Now he can rest his arm and maybe he'll be ready down the stretch. So that that's a plus right there. You know I think about uh, earlier uh, in a season a couple of years ago when Peyton Manning in his last season he ended up getting hurt and I think Brock Osweiler came in and he played five games and um, he did a really good job. But not only did that that injury uh, helped Brock Osweiler to get a big payday out there in Houston. Uh, but it, it did also help uh, Peyton Manning, you know, it helped him kind of preserve himself uh, to make that playoff push. So I think in a process it's actually helping Drew Brees, uh, the fact that, you know, he don't have to worry about going out there, throwing a football, going game to game. So that might be beneficial to him. And especially like since people were talking about low management at the beginning of the season, and should the Saints try to go with Jameis Winston and try to free up uh, Drew Brees a couple weeks in order to rest himself up for a late playoff run. So um, Drew Brees is a competitor. I understand that. But you got to protect these players from themselves. Uh, you know, they want to play at all times. But, uh, you know, you got to protect Drew Brees because you got to help him and understand that, look, we understand that you want to play, Drew, and we want you to play. But you are so important to our success and what we're trying to do this season. So. I would not allow or want uh, Drew Brees to go out there and play against the Philadelphia Eagles. I feel like the Saints have enough in order for them to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. No disrespect to the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, I, I don't I'm not one of those guys that be like, man, they're going to win. Uh, this is going to be a win because I feel like any team can beat any team on any given Sunday or Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. I mean, depending on it to this season. So, I mean, we've seen the Washington football team knock off an undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers, Steelers team. And we also seen a New York Giants team go up to Seattle and uh, beat the Seattle Seahawks. So and both of those teams are playing in the NFC East and their record isn't very good. So uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, they can be competitive in this game. So I'm not trying to disrespect them, but I'm just looking at it as, as a whole. The Saints are a deep team. Uh, They have good weapons on the team. They got some guys that can make some plays. 
And I don't feel like you should put your team in harm's, I mean, your quarterback in harm's way uh, by parading him out there when he's probably not 100% or not even close to 100%. Uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, but let me go ahead and answer some of the questions in the chat right here. Um, will not there won't be any phone calls on this edition of the State of the Saints podcast? I apologize, folks, but there will not be uh, any phone calls uh, th- on this edition of the State of the Saints podcast. Um, I probably uh, do it tomorrow. Uh, you know, I probably uh, take some phone calls on tomorrow, so uh, I do apologize for that. So if you have any questions or you have any comments, uh, please uh, kindly put them uh, in the chat. Uh, Trinice says, I agree. Uh, KB says, uh, who that fam? Good morning. What's going on? K, uh, OG Jerry, uh, getting, getting a shout out and shouts out to Jerry poor breeze can chill for, for the next game. I, I agree with that. Uh, Brian says, good morning, TJ. Who that What's going on? Brian, appreciate you stopping by. Uh, Ramsey, uh, giving a phone call emoji. I'm sorry, Ramsey. Uh, like I said, won't be any phone calls on this edition of the state of the saints podcast. Uh, like I said, next next episode, I definitely will open up the phone lines. Kim says, I know Breeze is a vet, but do you think he would need uh, to knock some rust off before the KC game? Uh, look, I'm not even so big on him actually playing in the Kansas City Chiefs game. You know, I don't I don't understand that. You know, I, I mean, look, I, I get it. You know, like you're trying to stay atop of the NFC. Uh, you don't want to slip up. And next thing you know, Green Bay. Uh, end up uh, falling into that spot i get all that but at the same time man, i'm more concerned about drew Brees's uh health you know i, I don't want to see him just out there because you know the kansas city chiefs are super bowl champs and we want to see where we at because i often say on the state of the saints podcast i mean I, I don't care about them playing the chiefs the first time i'm more concerned about them playing the kansas city chiefs the second time so i mean if they play them the second time that means they're seeing them in the super bowl so I would rather have Drew Brees miss that game, roll up in there with Taysom, and, uh, you know, let the best team win, you know. And if the Saints end up losing to the Kansas City Chiefs, it's not the end of the world, you know. I mean, I'm more concerned about them in the playoffs more so than me worrying about uh, Kansas City coming into town. Uh, Let me see. uh, Joanne Conway says, uh, I think he will be back for the KC game, uh, TJ. Yeah, possibly. He possibly will be back for that game. Uh, I, I can see that happening, uh, you know, especially like it, it depends on, you know, how healthy he feels and how, how the team feels like, uh, you know, he, he he's progressing. So I, I can see that happening. Brian says, wait till we play Carolina. <clears throat> I agree with that one, too. No, I mean, it's not like it's a sense of urgency. Now, if the Saints uh, were 0-3, you know, so far, you know, then I'd be like, oh, wait a minute. Now, maybe we need to uh, reconsider some things. But. I mean, they're three and zero. They haven't missed really missed a beat, uh, you know, since he left. So, I mean, why try to push the the issue? I mean, if they're winning, then you don't have to worry about rushing them back. Uh, Mister Saint seventy four says they need to keep him out till the Vikings two games to get back before the playoffs. Yeah, you know, like I said, man, I, I would I would rather just keep him out, you know, as long as possible, you know. And if that is the Carolina game or the Minnesota game, then so be it. Michael says, I think uh, he should give it a shot, uh, give a few reps before the Chiefs. Um, look, like I said, I, I mean, if he's healthy, if he's healthy enough, if the team doctors think he's healthy enough, if the coaching staff feel like it's not going to be any setbacks, then go for it. But I fail to believe that. And 
You know, I, I mean, I was talking to my wife, uh, as some of you may know, my wife is a nurse practitioner and um, I was asking her about ribs and, and she was, and, you know, I told her how many, you know, uh, bones that he, uh, you know, he broke, how many rib bones he broke. And she was like, there's nowhere in the world that he could be back by three weeks and be fully healthy. She said, that's impossible. He's like the most at the most, she's like, you know, it's about six weeks. So she was like, ain't no way. It's, it's no way possible that he, he's fully healed from that. So uh, don't sleep on the Eagles D line, though. Uh, I'm not sleeping on anything with the Eagles. Like, like I said before, like I don't underestimate any team. I think that any team can beat any team on any given Sunday. I, I've said that on several occasions here on the State of the Saints podcast, and I, I, my that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I mean, we never know what a team uh, has on their mind. We we never know the type of team that's going to show up. But I will say this, man. You know, shouts out to the New Orleans Saints for being consistent. You know, it, there was some times in the past where if the Saints were to go up against a team that – uh, didn't have a quarterback <laughs> or uh, uh, a quarterback with limited skills. They would just fall by the wayside. I must say every single game that the Saints have played this season, rather they won or lost, uh, they've been competitive in a game. And it, it hasn't been like some of these blowouts like you've seen. Like you've seen like Green Bay get blew out. Uh, you've seen Seattle get blew out. Uh, you've seen like some of these other teams uh you know lose but you know the saints don't get blew out very often so shouts out to sean payton and his coaching staff for getting these guys coached up and, and helping these guys understand the big picture that, that's that's very important but let me go ahead and move on man talk about the philadelphia eagles uh as you know the saints are uh, week 14 opponent is the philadelphia eagles and uh um, I, i'm supposed to be a, a guest on a few philadelphia eagles podcasts i think one today and also on tomorrow um i'll make sure that i send those links out so y'all can be able to check it out. The one is this afternoon uh, at, at 3 uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I'll make sure I send that link out. And the other one is tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. But the Philadelphia Eagles, I, I just feel like uh, this is a team right now that's just going through the motions. Uh, this this is an absolute train wreck right now. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, you know, they're led or were led by Carson Wentz. So we know about him being the the second pick in a draft back in 2016. Uh, you know, Carson Wentz had a couple of good seasons. Uh, his rookie season, he did okay. His second season was going to be his breakout year. He was up for the uh, NFL MVP before he, you know, messed his leg up towards ACL, his LCL, uh, his MCL, his NAACP, his FBI, his SN, SNCC. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he tore it off. All right. So, um, he came back, you know, the, the following year. I mean, it, it was up and down year, but you know, he did some really good things, especially like leading his team to an NFC East title and a playoff uh berth once again. But he ended up getting concussed in a game versus the Seattle Seahawks. And now this season, uh, he's faced with a lot of adversity, man. Um, he hasn't been playing well. Uh, he's second in the league in turnovers. Uh, he's thrown interceptions. I think the, the person that's first, if I'm not mistaken. No, I think he is first, if I'm, uh, I'm not mistaken. He, he's first in the league in turnovers. So Carson Wentz uh, is definitely going through identity crisis. Uh, I, I think it has a lot to do with the guy that is going to start in this game, which is Jalen Hurts. Uh, Jalen Hurts, we know him, man. I mean, if you're an LSU fan, you definitely know what Jalen Hurts is. Uh, he has disappointed us and made us uh, mad and made us throw stuff at our television. Uh, him being a quarterback at the University of Alabama, 
before they decided to go with Tua, and he transferred to Oklahoma and had a really good season there. And he was drafted pretty high, man, you know. And he was drafted high right after the Philadelphia Eagles uh, gave Carson Wentz a really big contract. And people were wondering why, you know, like why are you giving this quarterback all this money and you're going to draft this quarter, this other quarterback high? And I feel like that messed with his confidence. And, and to be honest with you, you know, this is almost like one of these situations to me. It, we we use a lot of these examples and we we you we talk a little bit on this show about Willie Beeman, right? Um we know about Willie Beeman, a fictional quarterback uh for the Miami Sharks on the movie Any Given Sunday, who was played by Jamie Foxx. Now he was a backup quarterback in the game, and Dennis Quaid was the starting quarterback. Dennis Quaid gets hurt, he comes in, and you know, he ended up like taking the league by storm. And he had like one big interview. I promise you, I'm I'm getting to a point here. He had this interview and he basically just threw the team under the bus and, and elevated himself. And then, you know, his teammates saw it. And then it was a rainy game that he played in and the offensive line didn't want to block for him. Uh, he was getting hit. Uh, his, his teammates didn't go pick him up or anything like that. You know, and they basically called him a superstar. Now, I don't know if anybody like took a chainsaw and sliced his Jeep up, like, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, like, you know, I say that to say this about Carson Wentz. I just feel like his teammates never really bought into him. Uh, we know about some of the things we heard in the past about Nick Foles. Uh, a lot of his teammates wanted Nick Foles to start over him. A lot of people thought like his his way of life was a little bit of a front. Like Carson Wentz was supposed to be this devout Christian religious guy, and it just just didn't seem like the guy didn't match up with his religious preference. And he, he it made it seem like he was up here and they were down here, and he never really went or tried to make an effort to get on his teammates level. Now, a couple of weeks ago, you know, he stood in front of the group and said that it was my fault that we're struggling, but you know, I think it was too little too late, man. I just think that his teammates were just kind of uh, done with him. And um, I think his confidence is shy. Um, I think the only way that you say Carson Winston's career is he has to go somewhere else. Uh, I think that the loss of Frank Wright as his offensive coordinator hurt him, hurt his, uh, his ability to grow, hurt his development. Uh, the fact that Frank Wright is now the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, I think that, it, you know, a lot of the things that Frank Wright had, like the knowledge that he had, hurt Carson's development. And now we see Jalen Hurts coming into the game. You know, now this is a something that's beneficial to the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the fact that you have a guy like Taysom Hill on your team that can do some of the same similar things that Jalen Hurts can do. The only difference is Jalen Hurts is extremely elusive. Like he's a little bit more elusive than Taysom is. Taysom is more like just a fast downhill guy, right? He can run past you, but he ain't about to juke you or nothing like that. You know, Jalen Hurts has that ability and he has a pretty strong arm. You know, I seen a pass that he threw in his first series coming into the game after Carson Wentz left out and he threw the ball down the field on the sidelines, man, on the rope. And um, he completed that pass, man. So, he has some arm talent, and he does have a bit ability to improvise on plays. So the Saints definitely got to be prepared for that. Uh, but uh, I think I, I like the move with Jalen Hurts. I think it was a smart decision by the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, this is a time right now, most likely you're not going to go to the playoffs. You're trending in the wrong direction. Uh, and it, it's, this is probably the best time for you to just go out here and see what you actually have in your players see what see what you actually have going forward you know um, are you gonna have to clean house or 
are you going to uh, have to like just kind of get some coaches in here to try to develop some of these players? Uh, as for me, uh, I feel like the New Orleans Saints have the advantage on the line. Uh, if you look at the offensive line of the Philadelphia Eagles, Carson Wentz last week was sacked four times. Uh, I think Jalen Hurts came into the game. He was sacked three times, so they gave up seven sacks. You have Jason Kelsey, who has moved around the offensive line in several several spots, and, and so had Jason Peters, the star left tackle for all those years. So they do have some issues with that, and that is an advantage to the Saints. Uh, them not running the football consistently is an advantage to the Saints. And also, you know, I just feel like, uh, you know, the defense that the Saints have, I think they can be able to neutralize the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles are going to have to go out here and really put some things together. I mean, they're going to have to be catching passes like Kelvin Ridley and Julio Jones was doing, you know, in tight coverage. And I don't know if they got those type of horses in the barn, but they are a respectable football team. Uh, you know, I don't think the Saints are just going to go steamroll all over them. But I do think the Saints have the advantage if you look at the coaching staff and you look at the overall team. But Jalen Hurts is getting a start. I expect for him to do a decent job. But I don't know if he, you know, I don't know if he'll be able to beat the Saints. Uh, I think that he can do some good things. Ramsey says, I think Jalen Hurts, the uh, the decent quarterback, he's still young. There's a lot of learning curve for him. But in the end, I think Carson Wentz needs a new team. Well, there's no doubt about it, man. You, I mean, you don't pay a guy all that money and then go sit him on a bench and just be like, oh, well, you know, like we gonna go, we might go back to you. No, uh-uh. Like, I, I, I want to pay, I want everybody to pay attention to this uh this example that I'm about to use. It was the Baltimore Ravens a couple years ago, uh, back in 2018. Now, uh, Joe Flacco wasn't playing well. Uh, Joe Flacco wasn't playing well at all, so they ended up going with Lamar. And um, Lamar did a serviceable job going into the playoffs. In the playoffs, they played against the Los Angeles Chargers, and, you know, Lamar Jackson looked horrible out there. I mean, he looked like absolute slaw, trash, if you will. And, I mean, it got so bad, everybody at M&T Bank started to boo him. It was boring them up out of that thing. Uh, but, you know, John Harbaugh refused uh, to try to put Joe Flacco back in the game, even though the crowd wanted him to. And the reason why he didn't do that is because he didn't want to kill the confidence of Lamar Jackson. Now, Lamar Jackson, it's not like he was the starter all year long. It wasn't like he started week one and all of a sudden like he falling off. So he didn't want to mess with this guy's confidence. When you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, for them to pull their star quarterback that they gave all that money to to put in a rookie, uh, that's saying a lot, you know, and it's saying that they don't care about your confidence. They don't care how this makes you feel. We want to put ourselves in the best position to win, and that's what they did. You know, so Carson Wentz does need a change of scenery. Carson Wentz needs the same thing that Jared Goff needs. He needs a quarterback whisperer. He needs a guy in his ear. He needs a guy that can break down the X's and the O's. And he needs a guy that can simplify the game for him. I feel like the game is getting a little bit too big for him. I think that he has very little direction. I don't know if it's just the coach that he has is not really, uh, you know, utilizing his strengths. But something is missing with Carson Wentz. You know, like you can say with the teammates, because I, I really feel like that plays a role. But also with his development, man. I mean, you don't fall off like that, uh, you know, after having, you know, a, a, a pretty big season late last year you know he was the main reason why the philadelphia eagles went to the playoffs and a lot of people thought that he turned the corner so i just think that he needs something else other uh you know than just being a philadelphia eagle and, that, and not to mention that's a tough market 
that's a very tough market, man. Like we talk about the Saints, but at the same time, like if you are a Saint, we still going to roll with you. If you show a little bit of hustle, you show a little bit of effort, people will defend you to the death. In Philly, they just trying to find a way to boo you. They just want to boo you up out of the building. They just want to – they don't care about your feelings, okay? So I just feel like that's the wrong environment for somebody like Carson Wentz, a guy who came from North Dakota State. Like this, this guy didn't come uh, from Alabama. <coughs> Excuse me. He didn't come from LSU. He didn't come from Ohio State. He came from North Dakota, okay? So, I mean, this is a huge market right here. You, you leave North Dakota to go to uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, I mean, some of the rowdiest and, and hostile crowds and hostile fans that you're gonna find. Uh, it's not a good. It's not a good spot. So I definitely think he needs to go somewhere like the Indianapolis coach. You know, maybe align himself back with Frank Reich and maybe he can salvage his career. Uh, go somewhere like the the San Francisco 49ers. That's another spot I feel like he can excel in with Kyle Shanahan. And also, I feel like he can do good here. You know, if if the Saints wanted to, you know, uh, sign him, I think he can be good for the saints i just think he's one of those quarterbacks that needs direction i think he's that quarterback that that needs help seeing the field and if he gets that particular help then he can be an elite quarterback there's no reason you know there, there's no reason for that uh sean payton better be hella ready for the saints versus kansas city big game for who that nation and the saints look I, like i said man i'm not concerned about that like <clears throat> I, I i really i understand why saint fans are like happy about that because they look at that game as a measuring stick that's that's what they look at it as they look at it like we going up against the kansas city chiefs they're the world champs we trying to be the world champs that's our goal and if we beat them you know then maybe you know the nfl will give us our respect or maybe they'll start looking at us look man uh, I, I i said on twitter on the other day i never seen a goalpost move so many times for a team like ever i never seen uh, a media uh, a media of any team or any person like just go all out to try to disclaim and just try to uh devalue the success of a football team we've been hearing this all season long and i don't know what it is man maybe that's what they try to do it's almost like the cleveland browns like the cleveland browns i think are nine and three right now if i'm not mistaken and they're having the best season they didn't have since they moved back uh to cleveland ohio and nobody's talking about them. But I feel like if Cleveland was out there staking it up, all of a sudden, you know, I think they'll be on the lips of every media person. It's, it's as if they have these narratives that they try to uphold and they want mainstream to follow these narratives. So the narrative at the beginning of the season was the Saints won the division three straight times in a row. They won't win a fourth. Why? Because Tom Brady is with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be better because they have Tom Brady. So everybody can see that week one. Everybody can see that said the Saints are going to win week one, but they're not going to win the division because they felt like the Saints had the chemistry, right? So when the Saints won, they were like, oh, well, you know, the Saints won. Everybody expected them to win. But uh, wait till week nine. Then all of a sudden, week nine comes and the Saints blow out uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, humiliate them in front of a nationally televised audience. And all of a sudden, it was more about what Tampa didn't do in the game, more so than what the Saints did. Then all of a sudden, you know, the Saints started to win game after game after game. And now the narrative that everybody seems to be talking about is, oh, well, look what they're doing in the playoffs. Like, they, what about them getting over the hump in the playoffs? 
So I just feel like the goalposts just finally move, you know what I'm saying, always moving for the Saints. I just feel like the Saints never get the respect that they deserve from mainstream media. And maybe they feel like they can't say those things because by appreciating the Saints, that means that you have to devalue Tom Brady. And I guess they don't want to do that because, you know, anytime Tom Brady goes out there, throw interceptions, or anytime Tom Brady goes out there and look like hot garbage, everybody is still, you know, grading on the curve. But if Drew Brees goes out there and he has a bad game, he's old, he's washed up, he doesn't have the arm strength anymore, the Saints not going to win nothing with him. Uh, you know what I'm saying? He need to go ahead and retire, this, that, and the third. So it's always some way of de- de- just, you know, like I said, de- devaluing uh, what the Saints are doing. Look, and, and then on top of that, man, I don't understand this whole choke in the playoffs narrative. I, I really don't. I don't understand how people talk about the Saints choking in the playoffs. My my definition of choking in the playoffs is when you get to the playoffs, you lose. You like you like one and done. I mean, the Saints, if you look at their history and under Sean Payton, they don't just get bounced and trounced about the playoffs like that. I only can think of twice, right? I think of the game against the Seattle Seahawks in a wild card game. And then the other game, you know, last year versus the Vikings. Other, otherwise, I mean, the Saints have won one game and they just lost in the next round. And I can live with that, you know. So all this stuff about talking about they blowing this and that, I mean, you blow it if you constantly make it to the playoffs and, and you just don't win, okay? The Saints have won, you know what I'm saying, playoff games. You know, they just may lose in the next round. You know, or, uh, you know I mean, that's just the way that it goes sometimes. So – I don't I don't get this whole narrative on that. And I just feel like now they're starting to spread this narrative. So it's like everything they can do, they're always trying to devalue the Saints. They're always trying to undermine the Saints and elevate some other team. Even even like you look at some of the, the national mainstream uh shows, like you rarely even hear them talk about the Saints. Like this is like this is a team right now that's number one in the NFC. Uh, you know, they're going to win the division for the fourth consecutive year. They're doing it without their star quarterback. The Saints are 8-0 without Drew Brees over the last two seasons, no matter how the lineup is put up. I mean, you got to think about this, man. I, I want people to put this into perspective. <clears throat> Michael Thomas and Drew Brees only played two games together. You know, that's, that's it, the entire season. They only played two games together, and yet the Saints sit at 10-2. and two. You know what I'm saying? Like, that. that's incredible. This is, this is your star quarterback and your star receivers and yet the saints still find ways to win emmanuel sanders haven't been in the lineup and they still find ways to win uh you know like just different players that they need Lattimore, janoris jenkins uh so many other players and this team still find ways to win and yet nobody is giving these guys any type of credit you know they'll talk about some of these other guys you know when they have these shortcomings and then they'll say stuff like well, this player, they didn't have this player, they didn't have that player, but I never heard them say anything about the Saints in that regard. And I just think that it's sad. I just think that it's sad, and I feel like the media has a responsibility of giving people the truth. It just seems like to me, like, people that that, that focus on the Saints, it, it's as if, you know, like, they, they have some type of invested interest in this team failing. You know, so they give these hot takes. Oh, they doing good now, but they ain't gonna make. They ain't gonna do nothing in the playoffs. You know, I just feel like it, it's not even about journalism anymore. It's about ratings. It's about elevating your star power. You know, by going on television, giving a hot take to tick fans off, so your Twitter following can go up or your Instagram following can come up because people are giving you a piece of their mind. 
And it's sad, man. And it comes off so disingenuous. Like, I, I, I feel like if that's your personality, then oh, by all means do it. But when I'm watching shows, it just seems like people are just trying to be Stephen A. Smith or Skip Bayless. It's, it's like it's like Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless were like this big television show. Right. There was this big television show. And then all of a sudden, you know, they had spinoffs and the spinoffs comes in the form of Ryan Clark and the spinoff comes in the form of Nick Wright. And the spinoff comes in a, in a form of Marcellus Wiley, or, you know what I'm saying, or, or Emmanuel Acho. Like, it, it just seems like nobody is being genuine. It's just about ratings and staying on television. And I get it, man. It's your livelihood. You want to take care of your family. But at the same time, man, look, I'd rather people hate me for what I am than love me for what I'm not. I, uh, that's why, you know, I may be wrong on this show on occasions, you know, here on the State of the Saints podcast, but it, it never comes from a place of, Oh, I just want you to come back. You know, I, I appreciate every person that watches this show or views this show constantly because I'm giving you like about, you know, I'm giving you straight, genuine perspective. And I feel like that's something that's missing in journalism. And that's something that 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 people really don't care that much about anymore. And that's what really, you know, makes me feel bad, you know, as a as a viewer of these shows, man, because it's not even about, you know, giving people credit. It's about is about devaluing teams. Yeah, and, and I don't know, man. I don't know if they just come up and prep and just be like, okay, this is the list right here. We're going to focus on this team. And we, we don't want to throw these teams under the bus because, you know, we don't want fans to not care about these teams because they have a big fan base. Like, bump that. You know, like, don't don't sell me that the Cowboys got work to do and they can still win a division when they've been playing like hot garbage all season long. But you won't give that same type of credit or energy uh, to a Cleveland Browns team, you know, like the Cowboys ain't, ain't been nothing in about 26 years, right? So what makes them any different from the Cleveland Browns? Why? Because of prestige? Why? Because of their name? So why is it that you are devalue the Cleveland Browns when they suck, but then if the Cowboys suck, like you barely want to, you know, you don't want that to come out your mouth. Like so disingenuous, man. So disingenuous. Uh, let's see. Manny says, we understand that, TJ. I feel we can win with Taysom. Drew isn't as healthy as uh, they're letting us know. That's just my opinion. Taysom has the ability to take us all away. I don't know about taking us all away, Manny, uh, but he does do some great things uh, that that we can utilize. Now, I'm not a fan of the fumbling. Now. You know what I'm saying? We got to get that cleaned up because um, I'm a little nervous about stuff like that. But he does have a skill set that the Saints can't utilize, but Drew Brees is the guy that can get the Saints where they need to be, okay? There's only one Drew Brees. Uh, but it also, uh, to answer a part of your question, no, he's definitely not healthy. I mean, I don't care what they they can, they can let on as much as they want to. They can, you know what I'm saying, or not let on anything. Uh, the fact is, you, know, you don't heal from 11 or 12 uh, fractured ribs in three weeks, okay? I don't care. Uh, who you are okay it's not like you can put a cast you know what i'm saying on ribs i mean you you gotta wait for those things to like fully heal up kimberly says it's really saints versus everybody us versus everybody i pray we make it all the way we don't have to prove nothing to the media because it never uh be good enough as long as we prove it uh to ourselves that's true kim uh it's not so much that i'm concerned about the media uh, I just I, I'm concerned about people because people are sheep, you know, I'm, I'm just being real. Like some of us, 
and I won't say some of us, I, I don't even put put people look, get in where you fit it. There are individuals that believe everything the media tells them, like any narrative. Okay, they don't try to go search the truth, especially if it's a, the truth that they don't have an emotional interest in. Now, if you were talking about my mama, right, and you say something about my mama, I'll be like, oh, heck nah, man. You ain't about to say that about my mama. You know what I'm saying? I know my mom. You know what I'm saying? I'm 34 years old. You know what I'm saying? My mama been in my life my whole life, okay? There ain't nothing you can't tell me about her. But if you start talking about a distant cousin that I barely even know, you know what I'm saying? Like, eh, I'm not going to really try to find that out. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, okay. They they such and such, you know what I'm saying? Your cousin on your, on your you know, three times removed or something. Like, you don't care, you know? But that's the way it is. You know, like, people don't go out here and try to find the truth. You know, they only go out there and find the truth stuff that they actually really truly care about and the stuff that they're given they just run with it right like it makes absolutely no sense for anybody to feel like the saints aren't a successful football team like that's that's just ridiculous you know what i'm saying yeah you know no they didn't make it to the super bowl they haven't made it to the super bowl since 2009 but they have been a successful football team and have won a lot of football games so you can't discredit a team just because they don't make it to the super bowl that's ridiculous you know, like every good team is not going to make it to the Super Bowl. I mean, that's what they aspire to do. But you just can't just poo-poo or discredit a team just because, you know, they they may have had a good season and, did, and got slipped up in the playoffs. I mean, just look at the, 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 the Minnesota Vikings, you know, when they had that high-powered offense, when they went 15-1. and one. You know, I mean, people still talk about that team. People still talk about uh, Randall Cunningham and, and Randy Moss and Chris Carter and Robert Smith. They talk about those guys. So you can't just discredit a team just because they don't, you know, make it all the way. That's what that's what the narrative is. And we just followed it like it don't even make any sense whatsoever. You know, you can't just say, for example, they're telling you that the Super Bowl is the gold standard and that's what makes you great. And that's how you remember it. And so, you know, and then turn around and say that Dan Marino is, is better than Joe Flacco. Like that makes no sense because that's completely discrediting the theory that you're trying to put out there. So I just want people to be realistic, man. And, and I want people to understand like some of the stuff that they're trying to bring into the atmosphere. It doesn't make any sense. And that's, that's what bothers me the most. Like a person that's in broadcasting, a person that's in media, a person that gives, you know, does this show uh, every single week. Uh, I just feel like there's, there's a responsibility and it's like, the people don't care, you know, as long as you can look out the window, you see about two or three cars in your yard, uh, you walk up to your house, you go to retrieve outside, uh, your family is up in there, you know what I'm saying? But what, I mean, I don't know, man, you know, I, I just feel like you can be on top, but how you stay on top is being genuine because it's only a matter of time uh, before, you know, people find you out and they realize that you're full of hot garbage and you're not genuine or real. And that's going to make people turn off from you. And that's something I try to avoid at all costs. I know that's a little bit lengthy of a statement, uh, Kim, but, you know, I'm really passionate about media stuff. I really am. Uh, I believe in Taysom, but I still have some concerns about the fumbling. And also, I want to see how Taysom does in the two-minute drill. Uh, if we have uh, – let's see. And if we do happen uh, to have to play from behind, uh, down two touchdowns or something like that. Well, yeah, Chose, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty – that's pretty understandable uh, due to the fact that we haven't seen uh, Taysom Hill really uh, be down in a game. So we really don't know what he can do. Now, I'm okay. We're not knowing what he can do, especially if the Saints are winning these games. So I don't have no problem with that. But 
yeah, there are some unanswered questions about Taysom, especially with the fumbling. That, that is concerning. I, and like I said, I don't care how good you are. Uh, if you're fumbling football all over the place, man, I mean, it's going to be tough for you to see the field. It really is. Damien says, uh, just woke up to my favorite sports uh, show. That's rare for me in the AM. Uh, we're grave uh, like you, TJ. Yeah, Damien, thank you so much, man. Uh, appreciate it, man. Uh, definitely uh, fresh off work. You know, like I got off around 7, 7 o'clock uh, AM Eastern Standard Time and, uh, you know, took took packs in the daycare, uh, you know, and came right back here, man, after I took a shower. Uh Decided to do the show. So appreciate it, Damien, man. You know, thank you for waking up with me and thank you for being a part of the show. Shouts out to all my people that's working the graveyard shift. Uh KK Cole says, did Ryan Clark go to LSU? Yeah, he did. You know, look, I'm not saying you gotta have like this uh, this this dying loyalty to the state of Louisiana. Like, okay, you went to LSU, you know what I'm saying? You went to school in New Orleans or Jefferson Parish or whatever. I'm not saying that you just can't call it like it is, man. I'm just saying, like. You know, you, you just got to be realistic. Now, I get it. You know, like I said, it's a, it's a competitive market, right? Everybody wants to be on ESPN. Everybody wants to work for ESPN. Everybody, they don't, you have to understand there's only certain, so many slots. So, you know, you, you got to latch on and, and, and you got to be that guy that stands out. But I don't know, man. I just feel like you just got to be genuine. I, I just want, I just want genuine, I just want genuine stuff. Roderick, thank you very much for the $5. He says, I think Drew Brees been hurt way before he walked off because there were times in games uh, that he threw many balls very short uh, to wide open receivers. Oh, uh, Roderick, um, yeah, I think there's some validity uh, behind what you're saying. Uh, I think it came out to say that Drew Brees was hurt uh, before the game. Uh, I seen an article that I presented a couple of weeks ago from uh, falcoholic.com when they were talking about the article stated, uh, that Sean Payton don't care about Drew Brees. I mean, just horrible stuff, man. Like, I, you know, why would you write something like that? Like, are you in the locker room? Like, uh, are you are you in the vicinity? You know what I'm saying? Like, are you in the facility at all? You know what I'm saying? Are you in the vicinity around these guys for you to write such reckless rhetoric? You know, like I understand that the Falcons are a robbery, but Jesus Christ! Like, come on, man! Like that that was just so reckless. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, but it, it said that he was hurt before, uh, you know, he ended up uh, cracking his ribs. So, and you have to keep in mind that Drew Brees was missing practice, uh, you know, leading up to games. Uh, TJ, you're awesome, man. Uh, you proved the haters and the media wrong, and even though they're ignorant, uh, look, it's not even about proving the media wrong. Look, I'm not really big on being right. Now, do I want my credit for being right? Yeah, I do. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I don't. But at the same time, I feel like if a person is right, I'm going to congratulate them for being that way. But this is this is where I have a problem. All right. I have a problem when people are trying to just give takes just to give takes. Like if you don't care about something, don't try to pretend that you care. You know, and I get, I'll give you guys a story. Y'all know I, I like to tell stories here on the State of the Saints podcast. Okay, it's like when I first was starting out, right? <clears throat> Some of you probably know if you've been following me for a while, but I used to, I used to idolize uh, Charlemagne the God. Um, y'all, y'all probably know him for the morning show, the Breakfast Club. And when I was first starting out in broadcasting, like anything Charlemagne did, I tried to do too. Like 
you know, he used to have like all these outrageous takes and say all these different things and supposed to be this, you know, troop teller, you know, and, you know, I end up like doing, you know, independent show talking about hip hop and pop culture and stuff like that. And, you know, I was doing it, but I was doing it for like all the wrong reasons. And it was like one of them shows that never really popped off because I went back and I listened to it. And I'm like, well, I wouldn't want to listen to this either. You know what I'm saying? Because I can feel that this ain't coming from a genuine place. I'm trying to be something that I'm not. And, you know, from that particular point, I just decided to do things out of passion. So anything that I do, any venture that I do, I do it with passion. All right. Anything that I love, I'm going to do it out of passion. If I care about something, I'm going to give you the real deal. Right. You know, I'm going to give you the real deal. I feel like that's becoming a lost art. It's like everybody just so focused on being on. Like everybody wants to be an overnight success. Everybody wants everything that comes with their overnight success. They're willing to like lose their soul in the process of it. Like that's why I got the problem with it. If you feel that way, then then say it. But if you don't feel that way, don't just say it because you feel like, oh, you know what I'm saying? People going to come back. Like if you're good, it don't matter what you say. People are going to come back. They're going to come back because they feel they feel you. They feel that you're genuine. They feel like you're honest. They feel like they can get the, the information from you. But if you're being phony, man, I'm like, I, I can't roll with that. And I feel like there's a lot of phony stuff going on. A lot of phony stuff. Like, it's okay to tell it like it is. King Arthur says, TJ, your boy Ryan Clark out here putting some serious respect on the Saints name today. Highlighting the defense being the best of the league. Well, you know, that's a good thing. You know, that's a good thing that he's he's being honest about that. You know, I, I mean, look, all I'm saying is, I don't, like I said, I don't expect a person just because they're from a certain area to just be repping the tower hard and act as if some of the issues don't exist. But I do want a fair analysis of it, okay? Him and what he's doing today, that's fair analysis, right? If you're going to criticize the team and talk about, oh, I don't see them doing this, I don't see them doing that, if they start to turn around, like, you got to double back and give these guys their respect, and no matter how crazy you look doing it, you just got to give it, you just got to give them their respect. And I feel like that's something that is missing. And we need to find it. We need to find it. Uh, Kimberly Michelle. Let me see. Glenn said Drew cracked two ribs in the Tampa game. Uh, that's when he got hurt. Okay, Glenn, I appreciate that. I wasn't exactly sure of the timeline, but I appreciate you, uh, you know, letting everybody know about that. Thank you so much, my friend. Joe Law says, TJ, I like the way you handled them clowns on the <laughs> podcast. They had to call in backup. Uh, to go three on one on you. Uh, <laughs> well, Joe, you know, man, shouts out to Dime, man. Shouts out to King. Uh, shouts out to the brother that uh, that came on later in the show. Look, I had a good time. Uh, look, man, I, I don't expect it any other way. I mean, they passionate about their Falcons. Uh, you know, I, I get it. You know, I, I, I get it. But at the same time, like, I, I'm not just knowledgeable about the Saints. Like, I, I know some things about the NFL. Um, I, I think I can articulate and, uh, you know, tell people things, you know, and I think I can get my point across. And they do a good job as well, man. You know, I, I didn't really feel like it was – I didn't know I was going to be on the show to debate. I thought maybe we were going to talk a little bit about the game and break down the X's and the O's and, 
maybe some of the issues that's going on with both teams. But, you know, then I start seeing like footage about being, you know, the Saints fans being clowns and stuff like that. So, you know, I had to represent, you know, so I had to represent and, uh, you know, I, uh, no no disrespect, but I'm pretty damn good at what I do, you know. So <laughs> if I if <laughs> if I'm interviewing somebody and look, I, I I got my I got my ways to make you know like to make you stand out and make myself stand out. I just put it like that, you know. So, but it was good. It was entertaining, and you know I think we need to take pride in this. You know, no disrespect to him, but. Man, that was the highest view show he ever did on that channel, you know? And I'm not just going to take see, oh, just because I was on there, but I really feel like because of the support that I got from here on the State of the Saints podcast, all the people that came over to support, I feel like that was one of the main reasons. So <laughs> we had good content and, you know, it was the it was the highest view show that they ever did. So I think that's a dub. What y'all think, you know? But I, I did find that funny, you know, especially like, you know, when he said that Matt Ryan was was going to be better than Tom Brady when it's all said and done. I'm like, wow, I didn't think he was going to go that far. I said I set it up and he just knocked it. He just knocked it clean down. Like, I didn't think he was going to say that. You know, I was like, OK, man, let me just throw this out here. And he he went for it. I'm like, no, bro. I'm like, even King was. <laughs> If you hear King in the background, King was the guy with the dread. King was like, nah, you can hear him. Like when I said, so Matt Ryan better than Tom Brady, you can like hear King say, no. Nah. And all of a sudden died like, <laughs> not right now, but when it's all said and done, I'm like, oh. I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay. I don't think you can come back for that one. <laughs> but it was good commentary, man. They made some good points, man. Like, I'm not going to knock them for that. TJ, how do we get uh, AK and Emmanuel uh, more involved? Uh, do we run more digs and breaking uh, in break routes? Also, right after Ryan uh, give uh, his take, someone uh, started saying uh, something, and we go wrong in January for the Saints. Uh, that's the narrative now. You know, like as we get deep into the season, that's going to be the narrative. Like I said, any. Anything that they can do to try to devalue the New Orleans Saints, they're going to do. It's just certain teams, you know what I'm saying? Like the Browns. Like, it, it wasn't like how impressive the Browns have been. It was like, do you trust the Browns? Like, huh? Like, give these guys a chance. Like, what have they not shown you that they can't trust? How can you turn around and say, oh, Tampa is Super Bowl contenders, and then turn around and say, I don't trust the Browns? What 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 are the Bucks giving you that the Browns not? I mean, I'm I'm confused because looking at it, it looks like the Browns are a better team. Browns are better than than the Bucks. I mean, the record indicates that. The way that they're playing indicates that. So why is it that everybody just have Tampa in their back pocket? Like, what is Tampa doing? Like, all of a sudden, like, like, I mean, Tom Brady is on the team, but come on, man. Like, it seems like I said, they, they have their teams that they devalue. It, it's those teams that they devalue. It like if you look at the Green Bay Packers, like those guys are they are <laughs> barely getting through games, right? I mean, they like winning games by the skin of their teeth, close, nip tuck every single week, and then all of a sudden, like 
Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers. Yeah, they're for real. Like, huh? What? Like, man, I, I don't I don't get it. Like, I get that they're historical franchises. I understand that people love nostalgia. I understand that people have been loving the Green Bay Packers since Bart, you know, Bart Starr was there and, and Vince Lombardi and all them other cats, but good grief. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got to call it for what it is, man. You know, the Saints right now are the hottest team in the league. Why can't we say that? Uh, the Saints right now have improved defensively. Why can't we say that? Why are we going up in here and not giving giving these guys the you know not giving these guys an opportunity to right the wrongs? Why are we elevating their shortcomings, but we minimize other teams' shortcomings when we clearly don't need to be talking about? It? I, I don't get it, but I guess it's supposed to be entertaining television, you know. And maybe this is one of those. Maybe we embark on, on a new era where we just tell people what they want to hear and not what they need to hear. I'm going to take a few more, and then we're going to get up out of here. Y'all say they caught me by surprise with the foolishness. <laughs> Let's see. The Packers ain't nothing. Uh, I feel like we're going to beat the Packers if we play them again. They don't They don't concern me at all. Bruh, if the Broncos beat KC, which they almost did, now I see it not uh, that hard to go against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I mean – I don't know, man. I, I don't I don't feel the Chiefs either. Like, oh, they're a good football team? Absolutely. But, man, throwing that ball around all that, I don't know. Your offensive line is not that good. I mean, if Patrick Mahomes back there throwing the ball 41 times, like, if I, I'm, I'm pinning my ears back, I'm coming at you. I, I'm, I'm coming at him. You better get that ball out of his hands quick. What's your biggest fear of worry moving forward into postseason? nothing absolutely nothing you know i feel like every season is different i'm confident in this team it, I, look I'm, I'm rolling with my boys okay i'm sorry like this called me naive call me crazy or whatever and i i get a lot of same fans as we get closer to january we nervous but i ain't nervous about nothing i ain't scared of nothing like give us the best if you say you're the best then you should be the best people are talking about man i won't see minnesota why not Okay, I don't care about that. Look, I don't feel like the Saints can't beat Minnesota in the postseason. I don't. You know, I, I don't feel like it, it's just, it's an issue. Like, bring them on. I, I don't. I, I don't want. Like, I, I. If you're the team, if we're talking about how good this team is, and we're talking about we're the best, like, don't be sitting up here. Like, that, that's almost like saying, okay, I'm the best at Madden. But behind the scenes, you playing on rookie. Like, come on, man. Like, if you the best, turn it to all men, right? Turn it to all men and turn it up. You know, like, so why are we out here pumping our chest around, but behind the scenes, we scared of other teams? I ain't scared of nobody, okay? I don't feel like there's a team in the NFC that the Saints can't beat. I'm going into the postseason. I think the Saints can go to the Super Bowl. I really strongly believe that. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And anybody else that may feel differently, uh i get it you know i understand the emotional investment but i'm not gonna go this hard in the pain for the squad and then act as if you know i'm scared of some other team i ain't scared of green bay i ain't scared of minnesota i ain't scared of seattle i ain't scared of the giants i ain't scared of the rams nobody because if the saints are that squad if they are that team if they are the team that we want them to be if they are the team that we've been telling our friends about and telling them to be quiet about because we are the best, if we really believe that in our hearts 
then we shouldn't be scared of absolutely nobody. Period. Brett says, can the Saints still be first in NFC if they lose to Kansas City and beat everyone else? Well, it depends on what Seattle does and um, how Green Bay finishes. So uh, that's really, you know, it's really up to them. But Brett, the best way to do that is to focus and win games, okay? Keep winning, you know, don't drop off. Keep that momentum moving and uh, you won't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, Brandon says, like I said, on third uh, down, play calling on both sides of the ball needs to get better. I, I disagree with that. Uh, I disagree with that. The, the play calling of Sean Payton has been really good over the past couple of weeks, okay? And as far as third downs, man, you look at the efficiency of uh, Taysom Hill. He was really good on third down last week. And the Saints were really good on third down in the first game. So, I really can't knock that. And they definitely were good on, on third down against the uh, you know, the Broncos, you know, until late in the game. So that, that doesn't concern me, man. You know, my my main concern is them getting away from the things that got them there. Like I feel like there was too much emphasis on on Taysom Hill throwing the football last week earlier in the game. Now I get it, you want him to get some type of rhythm, you want him to develop some type of confidence, you want him to get on the same page with his receivers. But you just got a running back back there that ran for 120 yards last week in Latavius Murray. And you have a guy that can run in between the tackles and Alvin Kamara that can make people miss and get up the field. So sometimes I feel like those type of things that, that kind of get in the way of the Saints' success. Uh, you know, throwing a ball can sometimes keep a team in the game because you're stopping the clock. Uh, you're giving the team's opportunity to huddle up, you know what I'm saying, rest up. You know, like if, if you get enough three and outs, then it's going to keep – it's going to slow down your defense and, you know, your defense is going to get tired and the big plays are going to start coming. And finally, Dennis says, uh, Coach really needs to use Murray more and stop having Taysom running so much when he have uh, good running backs. Well, look, Dennis, look, that's just the way that it is. When you have a, a, a dual threat quarterback, uh, the ability to run and throw, uh, I, I mean, I, I answered that uh, question for you since I clicked on the Jews uh, in a minute. But um, back to what Dennis was saying, like when you have a dual threat quarterback, the guy that can scramble out of the pocket, a guy that can run RPOs, uh, you're going to use them. You're going to use them because it's an advantage. You know, it's, it's an advantage when you actually have a quarterback that can scramble. And you know what I'm saying, and run. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it's an advantage. It's all it's an advantage because you know the team don't really know what, what that player is is going to do. So you're going to use that guy in that in that, you know. But at the same time, you look at teams like the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, Lamar Jackson runs, but they use JK Dobbins, uh, you know what I'm saying? They use Mark Ingram, uh, and they use another uh running back whose who names escape me. So they use like three running backs, you know, so they should be able to use all three of them, you know, and, and have success. And also the Saints, you know, they, they've been running for like, I think, 200 yards uh, since Taysom has been uh, the starting quarterback. So they are running a football. Uh, I, I get why people are upset, though. Latavius Murray only had, you know, a single single digit of, of carries in the last game. And when you gave him 18 carries in the last game versus the Denver Broncos, 
he ran for 120 some odd yards. So I, I do think that there's a play for all three of these guys to find success in the running game. And as far as the Cowboy game, Jules, uh, I didn't see the game, really didn't care about the game. Uh, uh, the Dallas Cowboys are who they are. You know, they're a team that's trying to struggle. Right, they're struggling, trying to find themselves. Uh, Dak Prescott needs to get paid. I mean, this, this, that goes without saying. Uh, the defense is absolute trash. Mike Nolan going to get fired at the end of the year. We all know that. Uh, they got a lot of young talent on the team, but all I see is what I've been seeing for the last 25, 26 years. A team that has all the talent in the world, uh, you know, has a huge fan base. Uh, you know, the NFL wants them to succeed. Put them on TV every single year, about a million gazillion times, force feed them down your throat, and they do absolutely nothing. That's just what it is, man. You know, like, they are not a good football team. They have not been that good over the past 26 years. They've had playoff success. They've had uh, double-digit records. They've won the division a couple times. But when it comes down to it, man, just it just ain't it, man. Like, no matter how many times you try to feed that baby them peas, he going to keep slapping them out your hand. We don't want what they sell it, okay? You cannot sell us Dallas Cowboys, man. Like, only delusional people will really feel like the Dallas Cowboys are relevant. Uh, you know, their relevance have anything to do with their success on the football field. You know, it it it's just what it is, man. The, the Cowboys are relevant because the NFL goes out their way to make them relevant. That that's just what it is. It doesn't come behind winning. It doesn't come behind recent success. It just comes behind the fact that they are the Dallas Cowboys. You know, they they're popping circumstance. They got a a controversial owner who who likes to be in the media. He's a guy that has a strong voice inside of the NFL. Uh, you know, office uh, among owners. I mean, his word is bond. And that's what they've been living off of, man. You know, it, it's almost like uh, anybody knows me. I'm a big wrestling fan. You know, it's almost like, you know, WWE for, for years told us that John Cena was the best, right? John Cena got all of the main event. John Cena was main event WrestleMania, the biggest uh, sporting event that WWE has year after year after year. Been telling us he's the best, but we know that he's not the best. I mean, we know he's not the best technical wrestler. I mean, you had other wrestlers out there. You had the Seth Rollins of the world. You had the Dolph Ziggler's of the world. You know I mean, just different guys who had way more talent than John Cena, but they're telling you that he's the best, which, you know, if you have, you know, a brain or you follow wrestling and you've been following it for years, you know that he's not. Same way with the Dallas Cowboys. What's making them relevant is the machine is behind them. So that's why I feel about them. That's why I feel like they've been living off of. So why would we care? Why should they care about winning? Honestly, if they could be as mediocre as mediocre can be, a borderline trash, and still get a million gazillion primetime games, who cares? Like, you know what I'm saying? Why would you care? You know, like, why why would you care? You wouldn't. So. But I want to say thank you very much. Man, nah, I can't do that. I can't do it. I gotta ask one more same question. I cannot end my I cannot end the State of the Saints podcast talking about no Dallas Cowboys. Okay, I can't. Somebody give me a Saints question. Here we go, right here. Okay, yo, TJ, I feel like Sean should have gave Murray the ball when it was second and five on a five yard line to pretty much put the game out of reach. The Falcons haven't stopped the running game all day. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I think they need to use Latavius Murray more. I definitely feel like uh, he he is a guy that that when he warms up, man, he is hard to stop. I mean, he's about six two six three, about two twenty two thirty. 
I mean, he is a force, man, you know, and I don't understand it. I mean, he's a really good running back. Don't understand why they don't show this man more love. But I want to say thank you very much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast. Really do appreciate it. Uh, a quick reminder to uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com, search The State of the Saints podcast. Also, facebook.com, search The State of the Saints podcast. And y'all already know, previous episodes available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Anchor FM. Y'all have a great and productive day. I'll be back with you later on in a week. And also, I'll be sending a link out uh, about the interviews uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles podcast that are coming up this week. Till next time. All I got to say is, who that?